If you're in construction, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Constructed Behaviors Podcast. I'm your host, Barb Allen. I'm a woman with decades of experience in the construction industry, and most of it on the job site. I know how rewarding this industry can be, but like you, I also know that we could improve. Let's work together to make changes from the inside out. with a dad in construction. I really wish I could see the show of hands because I swear more and more I'm finding out that dad is the first introduction to construction that many women have. Even if they're, they never dream that they're going to be in the same business, their dad is their initial connection. That story is true for myself and for today's guest, Misha Homara. No doubt Misha is making her dad proud, but the industry as a whole should be proud to have her. She has become a force in this industry, not just for architectural panels, her company, or for women, but also for the future generations of construction workers and leaders. Misha isn't just building a company, she is working to build a better industry, and I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk with her today. Welcome, Misha. Thanks, Barb. Excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I know this is your first podcast. You're going to do amazing. Um, so so let's just dive in. Um, you, you were introduced to construction from your dad, but for me, it was at a very young age. Yours was like, your dad himself was a little untraditional into construction. So um, start there. Like how how and when did your dad transition in and how did your interest, how did he pique your interest into it? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I love that we both have this relationship with our fathers and working with them. I think it's a very unique and um, lovely opportunity. Um, so my dad, he actually got involved in the construction world Um when he was in the car business. So he used to have a dealership um, with pre-owned cars and they did some remodeling work and um, the architect called for panels on the soffit and he received some different bids and he was seeing all these different numbers and he's like, I think I'm in the wrong business. So he actually ended up going to school and getting his um, general contractor's license and worked on this project as his first project, um, not really knowing what he was doing, but, you know, he was able to just figure it out. And that's how he kind of transitioned into the construction world. And that was um, back in uh, 2010 is when this all kind of started and came to be. Um, my kind of background, I actually, I was always in the business kind of mindset and entrepreneurial mindset. I'll share a little bit about that later, but my kind of goal, I thought that I was going to be in the beauty industry. So I had actually gone to cosmetology school, my senior year of high school, um, graduating in the summer. And my vision was, okay, I'm going to work in the industry, understand the, the trade. And then eventually, um, my idea was opening salons and kind of being in that realm. Fast forward um, to 2014. And I ended up getting in a pretty bad car accident, which hindered my ability to be able to work in um, in the beauty world. So I was going back to school for um, communications and business with my plan of opening the salons, but things kind of shifted. Um, my dad was a smart man. He had started his business about two years in, 
And um, he asked me, you know, what my plan was during all this transition. And being 20 years old, I was like, I don't know. I just, I need to recover. Um, but I ended up working with him part-time as an admin just to kind of help him out as he was starting out his business, trying to figure out, you know, what my plan of action is going to be. Um, but being there with him, I, you know, noticed that there was a lot of things that I could help and not only my dad, but actually help this, this company. And so I ended up, you know, getting involved with office work. Our office manager at the time ended up leaving due to a family emergency. So I kind of had to take on everything within that first month. I kind of picked up, you know, AR, AP, payroll. I was like, what are all these things? But I would talk to other admins, write these things down, kind of figure it out. But um, eventually I ended up realizing that I'm able to make a, you know, a big impact here. And that's kind of how it all started. That's awesome. So uh, I had no idea from all the research that I had done on you. I did, had no idea that you started out in cosmetology. And when you say you got injured in a way that kept you out of that industry, I'm assuming that's uh, just being on your feet all day. Like, is that? Is yeah. That so I ended up getting, um, I have a couple of degenerated discs now in my lower back due to that accident. So I just physically, I wasn't able to stand for more than five or 10 minutes without being in excruciating pain. So I just, the amount, the amount of labor and work that goes into being in, uh, you know, in that world, you're constantly cutting and coloring and blow drying. And it's a lot of work, um, not only on your feet, but just your whole body. And I just wasn't able to, to really do that. Yeah. Um, well, what I love about it, and there's an episode um, that I've done with uh, Jen Stockwell, and we talk a lot about how it's, it's creative women that we can really start bringing into the industry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that too much uh, we focus on the wrong, you know, thinking that, oh, women will come. But thinking about the creative women that whether it's cosmetology or their, um, um, I, my mind just went blank or, or artists or musicians or cake decorators, like these people have this creative ability and construction still gives you that outlet. You still get to create things in this industry. And I think that's that's where we're, we're just missing out on tapping into those resources, uh, those availability. Mm, I can't talk today. Those women to bring them into our industry. So do you do you agree? Do you feel the the use of creativity in what you do? Definitely. Yeah, I think. Um being able to bring in different ideas from different um, kind of different visions. So for me, I didn't have necessarily that construction background. I learned it, you know, throughout the years that I've been in the industry, but just being in, being able to bring the ideas to kind of create something out of the box and kind of be able to shift that mindset, I think comes and stems from the creative side um, because Without that, we wouldn't be able to necessarily grow. And I think with that kind of creativity is what's allowed us to shift. Um, I always like to say from this more of like a business to this, you know, company and corporation. Um, so I definitely think that's, that's a big part of, you know, what's allowed us to be where we are now. And I see that within our team as well. So everyone that, you know, is a part of our team has that kind of creative outlet and mindset. 
And I think that's really necessary when we're trying to shake things up and, you know, break these glass ceilings. Well, and I think something else that has no doubt catapulted you, I, hearing you say that you started out as an admin and within a month you were basically the office manager and you didn't know what all of those acronyms were, but you weren't afraid to ask. You just start asking people because you're like, okay, this is the task in front of me. I now need to figure it out. And having that drive and that motivation to just be like, problem, figure out and solve it. Like that no doubt has also been part of what's driven you and your company into uh, the size that you are now. So tell me more about your experience working in a family business. Is it is are there any other family members working in the company? Is it really just you and your dad? How how is the dynamic working with your dad? And uh, if we need to cut something out later, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a great question. Um, so my, the, the main, uh, let's, let me just start that over. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so my dad and my cousin and I, the three of us, um, kind of have been working together for, um, almost like six and a half, seven years. So my dad started the company. I joined him about nine years ago and then my cousin came on about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's it for the family part of it. And, um, as we've kind of grown, um, I don't know if you've heard of this book called Traction by Gino Wickman, but uh-huh. that I think was the biggest game changer for me for the family business part of it. So, you know, being family, you already have like an automatic trust built in, I believe. So it kind of eliminates that kind of back and forth, but then it almost becomes sometimes too much trust because there's not a lot of boundaries put in place when it comes to a family business. So I think for us, you know, that's something that we would struggle with a little bit in regards to, you know, having some sort of systems and structures set in place because we are family, right? We're at dinner and, you know, we end up having a conversation or we're on a, you know, walk and things come up. So, that was a little bit challenging. Um, and I think as well as I, you know, have grown into the company, um, once I became CEO, I think in a family business, um, what ended up happening is I felt I had, you know, the role necessarily, but not fully the authority. And I think that comes with the underlying, um, you know, we're Iranian. That's another kind of layer on top of that. So it's like a cultural thing. It's the family business. And then also, I think being um, a woman in the business um, has like another kind of layer for itself. Um, Even though I, you know, have been in the business for nine years, it took a lot for people to kind of see that I'm not just my dad's daughter, but I'm actually in this role because I'm meant to be in the role. Right. And so I think for me, traction was a really big game changer because it allowed me to take this family style, you know, business and transform it into like a company corporation, which everyone has now systems, structures, processes, you know, our accountability, our organizational chart, you know, it's clear with, you know, everyone's roles, what they're responsible for. So I truly believe that bringing on EOS into our company um, number one has allowed us to have a much better relationship as a family. And number two has allowed us to grow and scale in a way where I think if we would have stayed in that kind of family business style, you know, 
business, it wouldn't have been able to, to happen. Yeah. So you became CEO in 2019. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And like you said, um, when you first started it, it felt like you had the title, but maybe not the respect and the authority, or you said authority, not, not the authority to go with it. And I will tell you, like for me, being with Jay Dunn for 20 years and being the first female they hired out of college to train to be a superintendent, so many times I was asked, oh, you must be a Dunn or whose daughter are you? You know, and I, I was absolutely no relation, um, but you are, you actually are relation. And so you um, alluded to the fact that you've got past that. I think the listeners would love to hear and some of them probably looking for advice. How do you overcome that so that you you get the authority that goes along with the title? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so I think for me, what was the biggest thing that helped was having like the systems and the processes there for everyone to understand from, you know, with my dad and I, I had a conversation with him in regards to, you know, how things are going. I think communicating, I know it's hard, but that's really, really key because um, people can't read minds, you know, and I think for me being able to express, you know, to not only my father, but, you know, the other people on our leadership team, like, you know, this is what's going on and having that buy-in and support thing has to come, that has to be number one. So if your, you know, main squad, you know, supports you and believes in it, that's how I think we were able to trickle it down to the rest of the team. Um, so that's, I think, number one is that communication and support within the internal team. Um, EOS, again, was really huge for me. And then also the community. That's, for me, I think the biggest thing overall, if there's any message that's taken away from this, is community. Um, having, you know, that support group to lean on. For me, it's been, you know, NAWIC, National Association of Women in Construction, and WCOE, Women Construction Owners and Executives. So that has been a game changer in being able to, you know, be like a sounding board to be able to understand, you know, hey, I've actually been through this, just as you said, Barb, right? And being able to figure out how can we, you know, push past this, right? And sharing live examples and, you know, bringing in, as you said, kind of thinking outside the box, right? Sharing with them, you know, putting the putting other perspectives, you know, on the table. And I think that's really um, what's been the best for me and kind of just reminding each other, right? It's, EOS says you say something seven times for it to be heard once. So it's that kind of reminder of like, hey, this is, you know, the shift and, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what we've kind of um, decided on and we're going to make this decision as a team. So I think the communication and community would be my biggest piece of advice. And I, I want to tag on to, I think the, the community has a lot to do with the communication because when you have a network of people who can relate to what you're going through, uh, because they're either going through it themselves or they know someone who has or they've been through it. It gives you that opportunity to have a conversation with them that helps set you up for those difficult conversations. Because like you said, the communication isn't always easy. It's not always comfortable to go in and sit down and say, hey, dad, I feel like I just got a title. I actually am running this company, though, and I need the authority to do that. That's a hard conversation to have with anyone, particularly probably a dad and, and being able to have those um, 
those networks of other people that have been there and can help you and set you up for those conversations is so important. Yeah. So, Especially too, I think, I'm oh, sorry. I think, no, no. Um, I think too, um, for, for myself and my dad, he, he supports it fully, right? He believes in it. But for me, I had to figure out a way to show him, you know, maybe what my vision is. And I think with, you know, he always says, you're the new generation, the new era taking over the old school, old generation. Um, but it, it took him a little bit of, you know, time for him to see it. But when I painted the picture for him in a way where he understood what I was trying to, you know, portray, it's almost like it's everything is in harmony now. So, right. I, it's taking that time, as you said, to use the people in that community as a sounding board, um, you know, to set yourself up for those conversations is so necessary. And you'd be shocked at how many people are more than willing to help you. Yes. Well, speaking of setting up, you set me up perfectly for the next question that I wanted to ask you is when you, um, you had a vision, you had a vision that was different than your dad's. And from what the research I did online, it sounds like you almost doubled the team size in a short amount of time when you stepped into the role. And, um, I would like you to tell the listeners a little more about what that vision was and how it how it's the new generation vision is different than the older generation. And in that, I'm sure you're going to talk about EOS, but there may be many listeners who don't really know what EOS is. So if you could expand on that a little uh, to make sure they're they're following. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I think culture is the biggest piece um, that was. Uh, near and dear to my heart. So when I came into the company, um, you know, I've, I wanted to be a place where people are excited to show up to work. People are raving about, you know, where they're working um, and get excited about it, right? Because we spend more time with the people that we work with than we do with our families. So for me, being in a place where, you know, you get those butterflies when you walk in, right? You get that excitement, when you're there was really important for me. And that's something that I kind of had in the back of my mind constantly. Um, but construction is a tough industry, you know? So I feel that the things that I kind of wanted to make happen um, was really challenging within our industry. Um, so I think for me, being able to kind of share what I saw with our team in regards to, you know, culture, creating this kind of space, what are the tools that we can utilize to help our team, you know, grow stronger and work smarter? And how can we collaborate? So for me, those are the things that um, stood out to me when I talked to other construction companies that I was like, I want to, you know, that's who I want to be like, right? And that's where I see us getting to. Um, and I noticed that there wasn't a lot of opportunities for women because I was sitting in a role where I'm doing a lot of the recruiting. I'm doing a lot of the communications with other contractors and I'm like, where are, where are we, you know? And um, I've going to just go a little bit deeper. I've kind of, I never really found a place that I belong. Um, just growing up in school wasn't for me. Um, college, I kind of went back to college and I did enjoy it the second round. Um, but I never really found a place where I necessarily belonged. Um, and that's what I really want to create with Tricor, right, is somewhere where you deserve to be here, you're meant to be here, 
and you know we we need you here so that's that's what we're trying to do within our industry um and i know you asked me a second question that i didn't answer if you could just refresh my that's okay i i'm realizing now i in when i introduced you i didn't at all tell anyone so you are the CEO of Tricor Panels out of Santa Clara, California. That is who Misha is. Sorry, listeners, for not mentioning that sooner. So that's who she is, and that's what she does. And what I what I loved about what you said a minute ago is about how you decided you were going to focus on the culture. And it's kind of like a, if we build it, they will come mentality, right? You may be too young for that uh, that movie reference, but um, if you build it, they will come. And I think that's one of the things that women really strongly bring to our industry is that focus on people and the focus on culture, because we all know people leave their job most of the time because of their boss. And the boss is a creation of the culture that is there, right? And the fact that you just said, I'm going to focus on this, and then you added 20 some people, um, you clearly started to create that culture that you were you were really looking for. So I, you know, I don't, the other part of my question was just really, um, was there anything specific that you did to help grow it as much as you did? Because if I looked at the numbers, it was almost 50% employee wise that you grew it. Um, anything in particular that you did and was anything related to EOS? And if so, you know, giving a little more explanation regarding EOS. Yeah. Um, EOS came kind of later on in the picture, but to kind okay. of backtrack a little bit. Um, so it was, again, just creating that space that people wanted to be there was key for me. One of our project managers, she actually had left our company and ended up coming back. And, you know, she pulled me aside one day and she's like, I don't know how you convinced your dad, you know? And so they could see the shift of, you know, what it was from before to what it is, you know, now. And it's the people that are what keeps them there. Um, I had a little, we did a survey because I was curious to understand, you know, what is the reason, like one of the main reasons that, you know, you're part of the TCP family. And, you know, almost everyone said the people. So it's that culture, it's that collaboration, it's being able to support each other and be there for each other. Because um, at the end of the day, we're human, right? And like, we are going to have those days where it's going to be tough. And we are going to have those days where we're going to be shining like rock stars, right? So being able to create that space where that's okay. And, you know, we've, we have fun, we do things right. And, you know, we make some badass buildings look incredible. So um, it's, I think it's the people. So that's the biggest thing. And um, EOS, though, let me tell you, EOS has helped me make sure the right people are in the right seats. So bringing on EOS was kind of, um, it's called the Entrepreneur Operating System. And just to give a little bit of background, it helps businesses between 10 to 250 employees create systems, processes, and structures um, to be able to have more of this organizational type of feel. So everything that we do, you know, there's a linked process doc to it. Every person has a seat in our organizational chart with their roles. Um, everyone is held responsible for weekly KPIs and measurables. You know, they have department meetings every week. Um, we have company um, goals or rocks, which are every 90 days. Um, and everyone understands our vision and our mission and our core values. 
So bringing that to the table um, and having everyone read, you know, what the heck is EOS really, I think, put into perspective to our team, like, hey, this is happening. This is what it is. And, you know, those that weren't going to be a part of it or weren't the right fit necessarily, kind of automatically just it all worked out. <laughs> um, so I think EOS really helped kind of structure that. But the culture is, you know, that's who we are. It's, I think it's, uh, I think it's hard to find small companies that you find small companies that can feel family oriented, right? Um, but a lot of them lack structure. And that can be frustrating for a good portion of our industry, because we are so structure driven, you know, we that's what we do, we build structures. And um, it's, you go to the large companies and they have structures, but they've lost that people aspect a lot of times. And bringing EOS in at the size that you guys are or were then and, and are now, I just think is so great for your company um, because people are able to come in and get that big company feel like we have processes and we know what our mission statement, we, we like, we believe in this company and our policies, our structure. But we also love the people that we work with. I think I think that's fantastic. But I do want to know when that project manager asked, how did you get your dad to change his mindset? I think a lot of people want to know that because they're trying to focus. They're trying to help their companies change their cultural shift. Um, what is there a way that you found successful that worked in your company to, to get that to ball rolling that other other women could other women or men could use to help that make that change in their company. Yeah. Um, so for me, I would go to as many learning workshops and courses that I could, you know, get access to. Um, and I was probably annoying, but I would just share with my dad, hey, listen to what I learned today. Or like, let me show you this cool thing that, you know, they're using at this other company. And it was probably annoying, but subconsciously, I'm kind of feeding him all the things that I'm learning. And um, I started actually taking him to events sometimes. I would be like, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Or, hey, what are your plans Wednesday night? And I would just say, okay, you're coming with me. And, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, my dad is willing to do these things with me. And he's a really good sport. And he's very open to learning and understanding. So, you know, when he would come to these things, he actually started realizing that this is actually, you know, some things that we could utilize. And then he saw me in my kind of element being able to network with, you know, other people in the industry and just how I was able to um, showcase what I wanted to do and what we were doing. So he saw it. And I think for, for him, that was also another way of um, kind of connecting the dots because, he hadn't seen that many powerful women in construction in one in a room, let alone in a project, right. you know, so like when there's 60 women sitting in a room, um, you know, coming up saying we're making $200 million revenue this year. He was like, what is happening? Right. So I think education, the exposure um, and sharing just what we learn and, Tapping into the, there's so many free resources and so many free, you know, educational courses, um, networking events, right? So just being there, being present, show up and then share. That's, that's what I, that was what worked for me. What I'm finding with, um, 
So the speaking engagements that I do are geared toward increasing the success of women in male-dominated industries. And many times I get hired by women, uh, women's organizations, or I get hired by companies that have women's resource groups. And, you know, a lot of times you're just the initial, the way they set those up, it's really just women attending. And so what I have been doing every time someone hires me, I say, I really, I strongly recommend that each woman invite, personally invite one man to join them. And it has, I think that personal invitation, one, we can, we know the difference between someone who's just not going to pay attention or is not interested and someone who there's a, the door is cracked right and yep. they're gonna they're gonna go and and giving that personal invitation to someone it's harder for them to turn it down than just sending out a company email that says hey men are also invited to this event right it's it's much harder to turn down omisha invited me personally right um but like last last week i did a a speech that, uh, let's say there were a hundred some people in the room. There were only three men in the entire room. But in the line of people that came up to talk to me afterward, all three of those men were in that line. And they all had different takes on, they wanted to chat about different things that I had said and that, you know, I, I hadn't seen it this way, or I didn't even realize I was doing that, or you've got to come talk to our organization. It's those men that have the door cracked open that you just get into, into their minds and then they want to start spreading that message. So I love that you invited your dad to come to some of those. And I, I encourage women to, to absolutely do that. Um, so also kind of led into my next question. So you, um, I read this in, I don't know, somewhere, if it was an article or your LinkedIn or whatever, but it was talking about how you educate your male team members about women in construction. And it didn't elaborate on what that meant um, or how you do it. And I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Yeah, great question. Um, so we're transitioning a lot more into, I guess, the tech side of communication. So we have group kind of chats and channels in which we share any kinds of news or, you know, media, what's kind of going on. So um, we drop in a lot of different articles and, you know, videos and just conversations through those channels. Um, we have weekly department meetings. Um, so our field team, I'll go in there typically once a month and, you know, share what's going on, give them updates from, you know, NAWIC, WCOE, what's going on with the SVA. I kind of just keep them up to date. Um, and then, you know, with NAWIC, with um, WIC Week, they do a lot of educational um, events. So we actually hosted one last year at Tricor Panels. And our team is really in the know of what's going on what we're trying to do. They're really, um, they're driven to kind of help us push for the 50% woman within the next five years. Um, and so they, they kind of get it now, but it's with that reminding, right? It's constantly bringing in new educational pieces, constantly having those uncomfortable conversations, right? Um, and it's not easy in the beginning, but once that cracked door swings a little bit more open, you see that flow of conversation and you see the other, you know, them bringing up ideas of let's do this or, you know, sharing with other people on the sites, right? If, you know, you guys don't see that 
all the necessary requirements are here, say something, right? So it's kind of going, it all leads back to that communication piece of, you know, from us as female women leaders um, in the industry, sharing what's going on from the field, women leading on the forefront, sharing what's going on. And then that continuous kind of flow of conversation and communication is what we do in our team. And I think, I think it's the only way realistically to, uh, to spread the word. Well, I think it all goes back to your culture as well, because you've created a culture that people appreciate each other. They, it sounds like really appreciate working for the CEO that you are. And so they're open that, that, that kind of relationships makes, makes them more open to what you have to say. Even if the door wasn't cracked very much, they're listening more because they care about you because they know you care about them and you want to make the company the best that it can. And I'm glad that you mentioned the 50% in uh, five years, because I think right now, if I read, you're about 30% female in your company. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. That's awesome. Um, all right, so let's talk about school kids because I know um, you are passionate about bringing up conditioning, whatever you, whatever words you may use to to get kids interested in the construction industry, both in trades and leadership, just in the industry in general. So, tell us more about what you're doing there and how it's working. Yeah, lovely question. Um, so I think as kids, there's a lot that is kind of given to us and thrown at us and we're supposed to be able to figure it out. Um, and I think with the proper guidance that I feel I have been so blessed to have received throughout the years with coaches and mentors kind of popping into my life at the right time, um, I think that we have an opportunity to do that for kids too. So we started working with ACE. Uh, it's the Architecture, Construction, and Engineering Mentorship Program for underprivileged high schools. So we started working with them last year where we spent about 30 hours mentoring kids who have an interest in this kind of world but may not have the accessibility to the resources, to the people, to the softwares um, that are involved with this kind of line of work. Um, so it was really fun to teach these kids and kind of mentor them from, you know, finding a site. Can we even build there? What does permitting look like? You know, what kind of materials can we use to, you know, what are the equipments that we kind of need? Is this sustainable? Is this going to be green? Is this lead? So helping them kind of figure that all out and plan like a project was really fun. And we would send our team there, you know, all different kind of you know, team members. So our drafters and programmers have gone there to speak. Um, one of my foremen, you know, has gone there and, you know, shared their experience. And we loved it so much. We actually started working with them and created a summer internship program. So we had a high schooler with us through the summer. It was six weeks um, where they got to learn all the different things. So they got to, you know, spend time with our project managers, spend time with our programmers, our design lab, our shop manager, um, since they're kids, they can't really go to the field. So, you know, we were sidelining on the field, showing them what's going on. But it was really fun. Um, it was a really fun way for our team to get involved and for us to be a part of the future um, generation of leaders 
Um, we're actually now starting to work with the Santa Clara Unified School District as one of their um, field trips. So they're going to be bringing in kids, about 15 to 20 students at a time, um, once a month to kind of get exposure to, you know, programming, what is AutoCAD, how do we use those systems, and then they get to go to our warehouse. We have the biggest CNC machine in the Bay Area. So they get to see that in action, um, cutting and routing the different panels. And then they hands-on get to fabricate and take something home with them. So we've done like a birdhouse in the past. I know our design team is working on something fun for the upcoming month of October. Um, so that's kind of stuff, something that we've been getting a lot more involved with. And um, it's just such an awesome opportunity that we have to be able to show and, you know, have these kids there and you can see kind of these light bulbs going off for them and they get very excited and gives them an opportunity to chat with all different kind of people in the industry. Right. And get to see, you know, okay, if I, you know, go into the trades, this is kind of my path where I can become a project manager and, you know, be making X amount of, you know, salary, making this kind of impact in the world. I can also, you know, go to school for construction, right? And maybe I want to be in the business side of it. Maybe I enjoy the finance side of it. So showing them all different kind of opportunities and ways where you can, you know, get involved in this booming industry. And um, it's, it's been really fun. So the internship program, I, I love this. And I think that, I think that it needs to be something that contractors think about more because Traditionally, we do as an industry, we do internships between maybe sophomore, junior year of college, and then definitely between junior and senior year of college. But these are students who already know they want to be in the industry. They're just maybe trying to figure out exactly who they want to work for, or what type of company they want to work for, or maybe they're still trying to figure out, do I want to be a superintendent or project management, estimating, scheduling, whatever. But bringing them in at high school age. Uh, I love this idea. And, you know, even you said it was just one. One is so much better than none. And these kids getting to see firsthand what it really is. And then they go back to school in the fall. Kids go to school in fall. Yeah, they go back to school in the fall and they share that experience so that other kids are like, oh, wait, I want to do that next year. Like, that is such a great way to really start growing the industry for the next generation that is coming in. And I don't, I don't know, I, I know of one program here in Kansas City that does that, but they're not necessarily looking for construction. They just try and get their high school kids some internships and some of them end up landing in construction. But um, man, if we put an actual effort toward this, that is such a great way to do that. And I'm making an assumption that it was a paid internship. Um, but, and she's, she's nodding her head, yes. Um, I have to think the wages are better than if they're working retail or if they're working fast food or the, the, the roles that high school kids typically take. So, okay, I absolutely love this. And I hope that people listen and share this episode so we can bring more high schoolers in early and they can go back in the fall and share and spread the message. So, I guess with that said, we want them to go to the companies that have great cultures that they want to go back and work for and, and be excited about, right? Yes. So. That's what I really liked about ACE is they really vet, you know, vet. they, they want to make sure the students are serious about this. And they also want to make sure the companies are serious about this, which really makes it great because you're both 
on the same mission of wanting to succeed and help each other and grow. So again, that energy that's created and, you know, the opportunities that come out of those meetings is just incredible. Well, and I will try to remember to put a link to ACE in, in the show notes so that people can dig in and, and find out more for themselves and see what, where else it may be located. And, and yeah, it's national. So it's all okay, okay. Yeah. okay fantastic. Um, I have loved this conversation. Is there anything in particular you'd really like to add before we wrap it up? I just think um, for anyone that's listening, um, you know, anything is truly possible. And the plan that you originally thought was the plan is never really the plan. And I think <laughs> being able to just embrace that and, you know, embrace what you're able to do um, and don't kind of don't lose track of who you are, because I think for me that happened a little bit, you know, and I was trying to find where I belong, right, figure out my grounds, understand you know, can I do this as a woman leading this industry? And you know what? You absolutely can, right? And make sure you don't lose track of who you are and, you know, let that shine because that's what's that's what's gotten you to where you are now. Absolutely. I I agree. I I was uh I lost I definitely lost some of who I was on on the way up as well and at 49 years old, I'm still trying to figure out who I am now after all of that. So I, yes. I love that message. So thank you so much for sharing with us. And I I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thanks, Barb. It was lovely chatting with you and great to be on your show. If you know someone that could benefit from this particular episode, then share it with them. Or if you want to continue to learn about the untapped and underutilized resources that will take your business to the next level, then follow the podcast. You don't want to miss an episode where we discuss what you needed to hear. And lastly, there is a link in the show notes that will allow you to reach out to me directly if you want to accelerate that learning curve. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.